don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. What is up, crew? Welcome back to the Crypto Economy Podcast. I am Guy Swan, your host, and we are reading one. Uh, we are doing another quick read today, and this one's not too terribly long, but I'm a little bit low on time, so hopefully I'll get uh, uh, I guess I'll get some good time to actually do some commentary. But I can't promise anything. I might have to rush out of here because I got a lot scheduled for this afternoon. But with that, uh, we will go ahead and jump into this one. This one, we have read uh, an article or two by Beautyon on the show before. But Beautyon has a lot of other writing on Medium and uh, a lot of great stuff on Twitter. So I would definitely recommending, uh, recommend a follow there and uh, to check out all the other stuff uh, that Beautyon has done and written. There's, a, there's really a goldmine of stuff I think I've read. We read Bitcoin at 10 years, and I believe I read something else, but I can't remember it off the top of my head. But today, this is a really good one that um, I read quite a while ago. Uh, this was this is almost a year old now, June 4th, 2018, but it's a really fun one. It's a really cool thought experiment on the whole idea of the integrity of the Bitcoin software, why the move fast and break things concept should not ever apply to Bitcoin and kind of laying out that whole argument. And it is a piece titled, uh, it's posted on the Hacker Noon uh, Medium publication, and it is titled Bitcoin and Software Reliability. So without delaying any further, let's go ahead and jump right into this piece, again, by Beautyon. Uh, I will link to the YouTube and the Medium page, and it is titled Bitcoin and Software Reliability. A small group of disgruntled people who feel left out of Bitcoin's meteoric rise complain that Bitcoin's developers add new features to its basic toolkit, quote, too slowly, and that innovation on it has stagnated. It is not true that Bitcoin is stagnating. Bitcoin is the fundamental backbone of the missing, infallible payments layer of the Internet. In order for it to be infallible and totally reliable, there is only one possible approach to maintaining and extending the software that governs it. The mindset and approach needed is not many quick iterations and, quote, break things mentality. Instead, what is needed is the thinking behind super high uptime software where methodical, slow, evidence-based improvement cycles are employed and where features are added only when it is proven that stability, compatibility, and integrity are absolutely guaranteed. This is not a new approach in software. Mission-critical systems and applications where life and death are at stake opt for vendors who are very conservative and focused on stability and reliability. A link to the Integrity Real-Time Operating System. These systems have uptimes, the amount of time a system is available without interruption, measured in years. 
Visa's recent downtime shows that they are not running systems built to this high and exacting standard, and Bitcoin shows that it is built to this standard, with its uninterrupted, infallible, and continuous service measured in years. Bitcoin isn't an operating system, but the principles of fault tolerance and careful extension apply nonetheless. The to the moon meme provides a useful context. NASA's software fault tolerance requirements are very strict. When astronauts are involved, their lives are at stake. Break stuff, quote-unquote, in that context means kill people. The software simply must work every time. No compromise, no guesswork, no exceptions. There are no do-overs or rollbacks. Guaranteed performance is possible in software because everything about the systems, including the hardware, can be known in advance and thoroughly tested. High fault tolerance software development has been going on for decades. It is a very well understood discipline and the practices, methods, and mentality are also established and known to work. This is why regular satellite launches work exactly as expected every time. People take them for granted, but there is a culture behind the processes that make regular, flawless space launches possible that needs to be applied to Bitcoin, if it is to serve everyone as is hoped. It is not unreasonable to expect Bitcoin to never have an error in its operation. This expectation is already understood to be achievable in air traffic control systems, where once again, lives are at stake. With Bitcoin, Lives and money are at stake. Interruption of its service can cause a cascade of losses and unintended consequences for potentially millions of people and billions of fiat dollars. If it is possible to build a Bitcoin that cannot fail, that should be the goal, and no compromise should be acceptable. It is also clearly possible that a distributed Bitcoin with that characteristic can exist. Bitcoin can be absolutely fault-free and distributed at the same time. In fact, any centralization of Bitcoin into data centers increases the probability of critical faults. For certain, there is a math function to describe this. Can you write it out? The exam question would be something along the lines of, if Bitcoin is run from a single data center and that data center goes offline, Bitcoin goes down. If Bitcoin is in two data centers and one of them goes offline, Bitcoin stays up. Describe a function that explains this, showing the number of data centers in relation to the probability of Bitcoin going down. Where going down means Bitcoin is totally inoperable. Extra marks for providing a graph of the function. End quote. Bitcoin is not a social network or a chat app. It is a mission-critical software project that has greater integrity than any financial software project in history, in both senses of the word integrity. It never goes down, is always available, and is absolutely predictable. All other projects next to it pale in comparison. It is a solid foundation to build against, more solid in fact than the operating systems used to build the services that take advantage of it. The vast majority of tool builders are not held to the standards that NASA and mission-critical, high-availability systems are held to. It is a special discipline that most people are unaware of. Participants, who are not even software developers at all, 
have no clue about this specialist field, let alone the expert field of software that isn't life-or-death fault-tolerant itself. That field is two times removed from them, and it is not a part of their thinking at all. The more you look at what Bitcoin has achieved, how specialized its disciplines and requirements are, the number of things outside the software realm that constrain its operation, like the speed of light, the more you are astonished that it has even happened, and the more you want to stay as far away as you can possibly get from its inner workings, if you are sane. This doesn't mean that you can't build on Bitcoin as an ordinary developer. On the contrary, its APIs are easy to understand and build against. What you cannot do, however, is enter the radiation zone, where unseen problems can literally irradiate and kill you. The speed of light is a perfect example. There is an upper limit to the block size beyond which the Bitcoin network cannot stay in sync because it takes time for data to move across the network. The speed of light is a limiting factor. You can't have blocks of a size that are beyond that limit and have Bitcoin as a distributed network. The obvious question is, what is that magic block size number? It is certainly a function of the fastest possible network transmission speed, which is very much slower than the speed of light in air. Normal fiber optic cable transmits light at one-third the speed of light, which suggests another exam question. Quote, Calculate the largest theoretical block size that the Bitcoin network can manage and maintain a distributed peer structure if it were running on a perfect fiber optic network where the connections between all nodes run at half the speed of light over a geographic area the size of the Earth. Any node on the network must be a maximum of one microsecond behind any other node at any time during normal Bitcoin operation. End quote. This is the sort of question big blockers don't ask and don't have the math to answer. New ultra-thin photonic band gap rim mode division multiplexing fiber optic cable, link included, can transmit light at 99.7% of C. But it will take decades to replace all the, quote, slow fiber optic cable globally. For now, Bitcoin must operate within the constraints we have today. This matter of speed constraints is a question high-frequency traders have already posed and found a solution to. Put everything in one data center. This means that traders who are competing against each other buy rack space in specialist data centers where their boxing can execute trades with the equipment of other traders. This is not acceptable for Bitcoin, obviously, because it exists outside of the state and its regulations. High-speed trading data centers are all compliant and regulated. Bitcoin is not regulable. It can never exist in a data center without losing its force of nature characteristic. This is not to say that Bitcoin is in opposition to anything. The rain, wind, and snow are not in opposition to crops, roads, or your vacation. They simply are, just as Bitcoin is. Putting Bitcoin in a data center is like trying to put lightning into a Leyden jar. It isn't lightning anymore, but static electricity. Decades from now, when fiber optic cable runs at near light speed, it may be possible to increase the block size and do other things that take advantage of the inevitable improvements in hardware and software. Certainly, as Bitcoin unleashes the forces of the free market, 
These innovations will come faster than they would have under the fiat currency-fueled state. For now, however, Bitcoin must exist inside the constraints imposed by today's technology, and it will be enough to change everything. If you like the content and feel so obliged to send some love via Bitcoin donations, you can do so at the address below. Now, I'm not sure if there's something wrong with uh, either the published image in the article uh, for the QR code. Uh, it looks like there's supposed to be a QR code there or if it's something in my browser, but I'm actually not seeing it and I can't see the address. So if you want to donate um, uh, to Beautyon, you may be able to do it on the page. Yes, yes, Beautyon has a, uh, just right there on the Twitter page, uh, just under the um, description, it says Bitcoin is, and that is enough, and then there is an address that you can send a donation to if you like this article, and if you did, I encourage it. Beautyon has some amazing stuff, and always, always a great read, and there's just, I don't even know how many articles to check out over on that Medium page, uh, but it is definitely one to go exploring. Uh, I love a lot of the articles that I've read, read regularly, uh, everything that gets posted by BDON. So um, definitely a great one to follow. Uh, before I jump in, so I think I'm going to have a little bit of time for commentary, uh, and this will still be a short episode, but uh, let's hit our sponsor real fast, and we'll jump right back in, do a little chatting about this episode, and then close it out for the day. Okay, so this article is one that I felt did a wonderful job of putting it into perspective and also showing, putting into perspective the, the, the importance and the mission-critical nature like of thinking about how to design Bitcoin. And if this is going to be, like the idea of a hard fork every six months, um, like with a Bcash or whatever, as if that is going to, you're going to be able to run an internet on top of this, it's absolutely absurd. Imagine if we had breaking changes to IP addresses every six months and we had to completely rework all of our routers. And if we didn't do it, we would lose the ability to connect to the internet, every ISP, all the hardware. Like it's absolutely absurd. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about Bitcoin. People who think this is just a payment layer, I think, are vastly un un underestimating and just a very poor imagination of what's going to be built on top of this. I think we're going to have, it's going to be a settlement layer for all kinds of capital markets, all kinds of financial structures, entire organizations that are built in complex contractual arrangements where transactions and stuff happen within possibly things like graft or taproot um, uh, constructs where uh, we have entire payment architectures stacked on top of it, multiple second and third layer protocols that take advantage of the security of Bitcoin and extend it to something like a Visa or a PayPal or uh, a Lightning Network being a great example of a decentralized version of this. And I think we're going to see many different uh, types of exactly that sort of thing. And hopefully it will be in such a way that many of them are compatible uh, with open source code. It's very likely that these things are just interworking naturally. Like you see this already with sidechains being able to have channels as well and being able to send a lightning payment from main chain uh, channels to a sidechain channel and back and forth. 
uh, atomic swaps, submarine swaps, all of these types of things, like with this huge open source environment, there's going to be an explosion just like we saw with the internet of applications and things that we can build with this in a completely permissionless financial system. And if that foundation isn't absolutely mission critical strong, what is any of the value of the stuff built on top of it? Nothing. It should be treated as the scariest thing to touch imaginable. It is a nuclear reactor with an entire economy built on top of it. If the power goes out, everything stops. And Beautyon is right. Lives are at stake here. Entire livelihoods, entire businesses will be at stake. Entire financial arrangements, retirements, all of these things will start to be built on this protocol. If it is not built like a shuttle launch under, with the complete understanding that any type of uh, guesswork or uh, just playing with things to create features, if this is not about critical fault tolerance, then we're talking about destroying people's lives, destroying anything that we try to build with this thing. And it's not going to, if we want it to be big, it has to be a foundation that can, that can handle that degree of security, that can handle that degree of extensibility and an entire protocol stack relying on the security of that core layer. So this, this just does a great job. The whole, the whole to the moon analogy I love and talking about how the fact that it's distributed nature is one of those critical pieces that in fact um, makes it a reliable thing. I like that uh, really, uh, that was, what was it? Where is it? Somewhere in here. The first exam question. If it's run from a single data center, it goes offline. If it's two data centers, one of them goes offline, Bitcoin stays up. But to get what's the function to dis, like for the probability of Bitcoin going down based on however many data centers there are involved in this, plus the you also have to consider the fact that Bitcoin has adversaries, that um, there are many people and or organizations or networks that might try to constrain uh, the use of Bitcoin or the, the transmission of Bitcoin. And if it cannot squeeze through the cracks, so it's not even just, if it, if it can't squeeze through the tra- cracks, then it's not, it's again, a, that, another great analogy. Uh, it's like trying to capture lightning in a Leyden jar. It just becomes static electricity. It's not the same thing anymore. And if you cannot achieve consensus across, a, across the border of an uh, adversarial uh, government or central bank, well, then it's not Bitcoin anymore. It breaks. We have two coins and that may very well come to consensus again at some time in the future and reorg hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of blocks. Who knows? Um, it has to cross every border. It has to be able to be sent through space on an incredibly low bandwidth connection. It needs to maintain consensus and uh, be able to transmit data over Tor with high latency. It's not simply a matter of how fast can we make a fiber optic cable? And let's assume that uh, everybody's got a fiber optic cable and that's all we need to keep this thing up. Not only are we limited by the hardware and the software of the current uh, network, we're limited by the fact that it must survive in the, in the face of incredibly powerful and active adversaries. 
Um, so uh, if we push it to the limits of the hardware and software, any type of network disruption or uh, confusion or uh, uh, restrictions bring the whole thing down because we've already pushed it to the very limit of what it can do. Uh, so it just really brings to light the unbelievable importance of the foundation of this new economy, the foundation of the crypto economy, ha ha, drop, drop, name drop, um, <laughs> that it must, be, it must be treated like software that's carrying the entire economy to the moon. It cannot fail. It must have a 100% uptime. The, the scripts cannot collapse under some strain. Uh, it must not have bugs and... And there is a very explicit uh, culture that needs to be in the in the development sense uh, that is not, that is distant from everyone who is normally working on the internet um, and is just not usually in the forefront of uh, people's minds. It's a completely different design philosophy and engineering philosophy than what is ninety nine and a half percent of all the software development out there. So it makes sense that so many people would be at odds or not understand it or uh, not, uh, their default would not be to get, to grasp exactly how and why it is that important. And then also there's a whole subset of people who think it's just a payment network, who think this is just, we're going to send some change back and forth in actual Bitcoin addresses. And uh, if that doesn't work immediately, well, then there's nothing there. And that's not the problem we're trying to solve. It's great that it solved that problem while it was growing, but it can't scale that way. And these are exactly the reasons why, is because it must be fault tolerant, it must be distributed, or it isn't Bitcoin anymore. Um, you can't trap Bitcoin in a jar and think it's the same thing. It just isn't. Uh, so uh, I really liked this article, and uh, I had kind of forgotten about it. it, got, it another one of those ones that got lost in my list but uh, earlier this week, I was trying to get together a list of what I wanted to read this week um, and uh, couldn't quite decide on uh, what to hit. And then I ran across this one again. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this one. And we haven't talked about the importance of Bitcoin as mission-critical software and uh, Budion's Bitcoin and software reliability just seemed uh, perfect. I uh, just fell right in line with what I wanted to chat about. So... That's what we got today. This will be a really short one, a, a, a really short one. What do we got, like 30-minute episode maybe? Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Do not forget to follow Booty On on Twitter and uh, check out the uh, Hacker Noon publication. Always has some wonderful stuff about Bitcoin. And, of course, uh, Beauty On has an amazing uh, collection of articles and discussion over on the Medium page. I will link to all of this stuff in the show notes. Uh, and in the Twitter post. So if you guys want to check that out, please do so. And again, uh, the it may or may not work with the little QR code at the bottom of Beautyon's article. But if not, there is a Bitcoin address that you can donate to Beautyon uh, on the Twitter page uh, that I will link to. So um, definitely, again, check those things out. And uh, also, if you would like to support this show, um, that would be massively appreciated. And this is a listener-supported show. Uh, I do make a couple of bucks every episode from the sponsorship, which is really nice because it covers my expenses. And uh, maybe at some point will give me 
a little bit extra to do advertisements and stuff because I'm kind of looking into moving that direction with a lot of the stuff that I'm working on. Uh, but the vast majority of everything that keeps this show alive is, in fact, support from my listeners, from you guys. So thank you guys so much for uh, the donations uh, that you have given in the past. And if you would like to support the show, you can become a uh, regular contributor from uh, Anchor. Uh, lets you do uh, a regular like monthly support. So if you wanted to contribute $2 a month, $5 a month, whatever, uh, whatever you feel uh, the value of this show is to you guys, you can do that. And they'd actually do not take a cut. Um, it is sent straight to me, which is awesome. I'm very happy about that. Uh, and uh, so that's a great way you can support the show. Or obviously you can donate some Bitcoin. Uh, I have a Bitcoin address and a lightning, uh, a tippin.me jar available right on the website on cryptoeconomy.life. So thank you guys again. I will catch you all back here. Uh, what's tomorrow? Tomorrow is Friday. Yes, we will have an episode tomorrow. And uh, I don't remember what I have on the docket, but I will go back through everything. And we're going to have a fun one, no, no less, because we always read fun stuff on this show. Can't wait for it. Catch you guys tomorrow. This is the Crypto Economy Podcast. I am Guy Swan. That's me. That's me, Guy Swan. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Subscribe. Share this show out to everybody you know in the crypto space who wants to learn and listen about all the cool stuff happening in Bitcoin. Signing out. Until next time. Take it easy, guys. (laughs) 